Welcome to another episode of the Unreasonable Art of Living podcast. I'm your host, Gerhard Molin, and currently from Helsinki. As always, enjoy the music. Yeah, welcome, welcome to another another <laughs> another episode of the Unreasonable Art of Living podcast, episode number 18. And today we have another guest episode. Maybe round of applause. Yay! <laughs> but as always, I hope you're doing fine wherever you are right now. And yeah, what a week. Uh, I was in Copenhagen to visit my friend Gitte. She's also the guest for today's podcast episode. And uh, I love Copenhagen, such a, yeah, such a cool city, such a good vibe. And two days ago, I arrived in Helsinki, or three days ago, my mom as well. And now we're in Helsinki, we're going to, yeah, enjoying the time here. And in a few days, we're going to travel to Peru. That's October 9th. And very excited about the journey. We both are, yeah, we talked about this, like, it feels like, yeah, we venture into something unknown. We're not sure what's going to happen in Peru, but we both, yes, yeah, the sense of adventure. And other than that, my last day at my previous job was, yeah, last week, so to say. So now it's official and so excited about the month ahead. And yeah, the Flow Research Collective coaching program also officially started the previous week. And it's so amazing what I learned there. It the people I, you know, you have the opportunity to learn from and with. So we have this like a month, a weekly group session, two hours, very interactive, where you meet all the your colleagues, so to say, uh, for the month ahead. And it's going to be exciting to share more about the whole program and what I learned. And yeah, cool stuff ahead. And as always, thank you so much for all the feedback and for reaching out and sharing your thoughts about the episodes I uh, really invite you to whenever there's something you know you listen to that sparks an interesting idea or you find it actually you contradict with what was said always reach out to me I love it because this is the way we learn together and I thank everyone um, yeah who has been reaching out it's it's amazing and yeah if you want to continue to support this uh, podcast and you haven't done so please give it a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple podcast this helps to kind of like, yeah, just uh, helps the algorithm to share the episode. And if you think like this is uh, something for your friend, something interesting to listen to, feel free to share it. But most importantly, as always, if you come back to listen for more, that's all I need. <laughs> so thank you so much. And yeah, today's episode is really, really, really interesting one. So first of all, it's with my friend Gita. She's such a fascinating person. I met her uh, two months ago during the ayahuasca ceremony. And yeah, her life story is a life story of courage, of embracing uncertainty, of really having the confidence to stick to one's heart and trusting that, you know, trusting your own intuition so much that you yeah, also embrace un uncomfortable and um, not pleasant situations in your life. 
And she's, as of now, she's a Wim Hof instructor and she was the first female Danish Wim Hof instructor, teacher. Fascinating. And she does amazing, amazing stuff. She's also like a yoga therapy teacher and she does, yeah, she works with people to help them heal, to transform them, to find their courage, to find to their heart and their inner voice. And we talked about, yeah, all kinds of stuff. Wim Hof, the, why people would, why people like go to Wim Hof, what it does to people, her spiritual journey. We talk about conscious masculinity and femininity, what we can learn from each other. Yeah, it's an episode full of wisdom and knowledge, and I'm so grateful for it. But yeah, without further ado, enjoy this beautiful guest episode with Gita. Gita, welcome to the Unreasonable Art of Living podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs> I am really honored of being here. I'm very excited to have you. Thank you. Where are we, where are we right now? We are in Copenhagen, Denmark. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, by the way, dear listeners, we're going to do a video recording as well. It's a premiere for a guest episode. <laughs> Even more honored Even now. Even more honored now. <laughs> <laughs> So let's start actually, let's start with the present moment. Yes. What keeps your heart, mind and soul currently mostly busy? Oh, that's absolutely the Wim Hof Method. <laughs> I am, as you know, but of course the other one doesn't. I'm a Wim Hof Method instructor. Mm -hmm. And um, teaching that a lot and also teaching at like expeditions with Wim himself and also at the academy and being... I think the most busy Wim Hof Method instructor in Denmark, it's like um, keeping me busy. <laughs> keeping you busy. Yeah. It's maybe stay there. I think there's like a, there's a lot to, like your life has been absolutely unreasonable in the most positive way. <laughs> uh, since when have you, since when are you a Wim Hof instructor? Oh, I was um, actually like the first team that got shut down by COVID. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, when we were at the academy, there mm -hmm. was uh, an epidemic because like you are living more than 100 people in one hotel. So we got closed <laughs> down. It was like a very unique uh, thing. So it was just in the beginning of COVID that I got okay. my certification. <laughs> wow. And do you remember what whispers in your heart told you that you should pursue the Wim Hof Method or like become a teacher? Do you remember that moment? I absolutely did. Yeah. The thing is like, um, I'm just going to do a little detour. Yes, I'm also a yoga therapist mm -hmm. and I also teach Nordic shamanism. Mm -hmm. So I did know the breath work. Of course, for yoga, the pranayama is so used always. And when you do Nordic shamanism, I spent so many nights out in like the Danish winter forest. And when you want to go like all natural, like I wear like leather and skins and things like that, you're going to be cold. <laughs> There's like no way around it. <laughs> yeah. But there is a difference I learned already then that you can freeze mm -hmm. and you can be cold mm -hmm. and it's not the same. Mm -hmm. So for me, and I also did like winter dipping in the ocean because we are, we have ocean everywhere here mm -hmm. in Denmark. And then I was introduced to the Wim Hof method. Everything made sense to me. And hmm, I loved it from the beginning, but I wasn't that convinced. I felt like something were missing. Mm -hmm. And I did practice it myself, but didn't feel like the need to become an instructor. 
until actually I heard an interview with Wim where okay. he talked about the Wim Hof method and shamanism. And then I was just blown away because that was the missing piece for me. Wow. That that it had that interconnectedness with nature and how actually I know you said this also in previous episode that like the outside nature and the inside nature of human beings are exactly the same. So I was like, here is this method that I really like a lot. Mm-hmm. And if I can combine that with actually yoga, because women is a big yoga, mm-hmm. yogi mm-hmm. as well, and the shamanism, then that must be like my perfect fit. <laughs> 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 so, um, yeah, I really wanted to do it. And also at that point, there weren't any female instructors in Denmark. Wow. And I thought like, mm, let me see how to like frame this correct. <laughs> We are different as sexes and we do approach teaching differently. Mm -hmm. And I thought that the Wim Hof Method in Denmark needed some female energy. Mm -hmm. So it was was like a combination of these two things. Wow. And now you've been... So how many years have you been now a Wim Hof teacher? Two, three? I'm not counting. (laughs) For a while. So my question is like, um, how would you describe the Wim Hof Method to someone who hasn't heard of... It before like yeah, yeah yeah the Wim Hof method have three pillars and it's called exposure it's mm-hmm. what it's most known for also Wim Hof is known as the Iceman right mm-hmm. and then there is a specific breathing technique and the third one is called like mindset or commitment mm-hmm. so it is a combination of like doing the three pillars that creates the method mm-hmm. and they have like a slogan that's like healthy happy strong and that could mean everything, right? But how I like to explain it, it's like really good if you have like pains or stress or injuries. It's mm-hmm. really good if you want to enhance whatever you're doing. It can be presentations. It could be your mental or physical performance, but also to connect with yourself and mm-hmm. connect with nature. So um, if I don't have to be like too scientific, that's how I would explain it. That's beautiful. And then now in the last two or three years, what is the thing that has been keeps you keeps surprising you about the Wim Hof Method? You know, what is the thing that keeps surprising you when you introduce it to new people? Oh, that's not a simple question. Mm-hmm. And I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it is how it actually just keep proving that it's working mm-hmm. in so many different layers and in so many different conditions and in so many different different people mm-hmm. and it's it's just amazing to have this hmm, tool that you can teach people because I really believe that I'm not teaching people I'm helping people helping themselves mm-hmm. because like everyone can breathe and we all have cold water in our tap or in our shower so you don't need me you just need me to explain how to do it <laughs> and I really love that right and it is like the, the the huge difference it makes. I could like sit here and use the rest of the, the podcast just sharing all about like personal stories, also mm-hmm. my own, how it helped, how it re- literally gave more life quality, more happy health strength. <laughs> <laughs> Marketing slogan. <laughs> you. But maybe it's stick to your personal story. So what yeah. what you, you can share? How does it how has it helped you? Yeah, to I mean, for me, like personally, what 
I know about you. You're very much in touch with your nature. Yeah. So I'm very curious to hear how Wim Hof, it has must have had such an impact on you that you're like, wow, there's something it, it triggered, like showed you that you haven't reached yet. So what, what was this personal story? Yeah, and, and it's, a, again, what I love the question, because I think it's like 12 years ago, mm -hmm. I was in a severe car accident where I, get, I, I got a chronic whiplash and I was actually bound to bed for six months. Mm -hmm. And I was in constant pain. I couldn't deal with light or sounds. So mm -hmm. I didn't see like my more like bigger family for like six months because I couldn't be in room with more than two and three people. I would forget everything. And wow. I remember like one time sitting in my living room and thinking like, what's the smell? And I went out to the kitchen and apparently I was cooking. I forgot. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> it was like, that was hardship. Yeah, And that's actually how I started with the yoga therapy. Mm -hmm. And that helped me a lot. It helped me to get out of bed and to actually start working again. And I think like with the Nordic shamanism and really going into that practice and being an apprentice myself, it, it kind of like gave me more life quality and mm -hmm. to really discover like all the gifts nature have. So... At the point when I started with the Wim Hof method, I was still taking like pain medication like once or twice a month, like more than just like your average like headache pill, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was still suffering a lot from fatigue. And that would show like, <laughs> there's like this fun story I like to share. Like, I think we all know like those frozen pizzas, right? <laughs> we would have a lot of them here with me and my daughter because like, I was just done by the end of the day. So mm -hmm. standing cooking wasn't an everyday thing. And um, I remember like after I like began with the method, then at some point my daughter, she told me like, mom, I'm missing the frozen pizzas. <laughs> 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 yeah. And, and I was just like, oh yeah, it's been a while. Mm -hmm. So I, I actually didn't even notice in the beginning <laughs> also another thing was like I couldn't have like a full calendar for three days mm -hmm. like from morning to evening if I had that I would like literally get sick mm -hmm. like a combination of like it was a feeling of having the flu combined with hangovers mm -hmm. so that limited my life to be honest and now when I'm like doing academy training or <laughs> just the expeditions like you're on like 14 hours a day for like five, six, seven days. And I can do that without any issues. Mm -hmm. And I remember like one day I was like, yeah, feeling bad, just not my whiplash, but just in general. And I was like grabbing like for my pills. I prefer not to if I have the opportunity. And I just realized it has been like more than six months since I took them down last. And I was like, wow. So from going to like once or twice a month, so like six months without mm -hmm. taking any pain medication and yeah, also like winning over the fatigue. It's yeah. like the two most significant things I feel or my, you can say like most measurable mm -hmm. because there were also like inner things, but like these are the fun things I think. Wow. And then, um, you know, like there's a saying that often like through Wim of Method, people really tap into body's own drugs so to say natural drugs like you know yeah. like the natural oh what would we have in our bodies so what do you say like you know you know we i think have a good understanding like scientifically what happens when, when we have to do for example the breath exercise and the mm -hmm. cold exposure but sometimes you know like when you tell these people the scientific way like it's way too much in your head 
you know? Mm. What would you say happens on a spiritual level or like philosophical level, just like a human level, when people really go through this intense breathing and cold exposure? I really love that you're asking me that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for me, when I did the academy training and it was like really intense, um, I did like, I had like a balcony and I did cold dips like every day <laughs> and I really explored it yeah. and I thought it was like so, so interesting. I usually make this joke, like they're like team breath and team cold. You have one of them you prefer. I'm absolutely team cold. <laughs> <laughs> so I was exploring the cold yeah. and there is a misunderstanding within people practicing the Wim Hof method that it's about like endurance and times, like how long can I hold my breath? How long can I stay in the ice? That's such a misunderstanding. I think actually it's kind of the opposite, not that you can't stay long, But what I learned by doing that was really how you can use the cold as a mirror of your soul. Mm -hmm. And Wim is also talking about this, but I think until I really experienced it on my own body, it was more some fancy words. Yeah. So you could really sense into that inner feeling because we all lie to each other, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. And Sometimes we listen to like different voices. I have a voice that always tells me like to be on my couch watching Netflix and eating potato chips. I don't think that's my intuition. <laughs> 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 and we all have these different kinds of voices, right? Mm -hmm. And when you're in that ice top, they disappear. Mm -hmm. And it's just you and your soul if mm -hmm. you really allow it. Because you can push through. I see people do that all the time, not feeling their body. It's just shutting down and mm -hmm. like just prevailing. But if you allow yourself to find the courage to really open up, it is such a, such a beautiful way of actually going deeper within yourself. Mm -hmm. And that was my biggest lesson that you can have that journey in. Mm -hmm. Also with the breath, absolutely. It's about letting go of control, wow. really allowing... Yeah allowing the body the knowledge of the body to take over because i truly believe that the wisdom of the breath and the body is so much deeper than the mind mm -hmm. so it is really i think a practice that's also about trusting your own potential trusting mm -hmm. all those powers that our ancestors had and knew how to tap into mm -hmm. that we can connect with them and for me that is like the biggest gift of the Wim Hof method. It is that saying, Wim have so many beautiful one-liners. One of them, the most important one for me is feeling is understanding. Mm -hmm. Yes. To really embrace that because what is bigger than life in life than to actually be able to feel yourself, honor yourself and respect mm -hmm. yourself. And for me, that's like the deepest effect of the method. Love, oh, awareness. Absolutely. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm getting goosebumps, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> because I, got, I remember there was like, because I watched a documentary about Wim Hof, I think the many, but I think the one thing, it, it's just fascinating what you just said, like it's actually, he knew based on a feeling, like his deep knowing, hard yeah. knowing, he knew for many, many years that this is really helps. And it was kind of like an uphill battle to just prove it scientifically as well. Absolutely. And now we have it and like, It's so uh, like it's of course we should always be how to say careful what people try to preach us. But sometimes, you know, like 
we as a human person we know what feels right to us you know we just feel it and i think there's a difference between well actually how would you describe a difference between intuition or what your heart feels because sometimes it's very subtle and what your ego tries to tell you yeah that's that's the whole netflix couch yeah. <laughs> struggle <laughs> <laughs> thank you for like putting that on me <laughs> i i think that um, let me think about that like what's the different i think it's a knowing mm -hmm. and if it's something that you really can't like argue because it's just a knowing Like, I know that feeling like, it's, it's like I'm trying to be convinced, like, oh, you should go on the couch. <laughs> yeah, popcorn. <laughs> oh, that is that show on Netflix. Like, oh, that's The Witcher. Oh, whatever, right? And if my intuition is like, this doesn't feel right, or I need to go this way, it's just like so direct and it's, it's coming from another place inside of me. So if it's something that you don't need to explain or you don't really argue with, mm -hmm. for me, that's like one of the signs that, okay, that must be my intuition. Mm -hmm. If it's something where you're like, ah, I'm really not sure and perhaps like that or perhaps I should take like cakes instead of popcorn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> love, love, cakes. <laughs> yeah, like, ooh, what a choice. <laughs> um, and it is like, I think like um, intuition is... Is so direct mm -hmm. where like the ego is yeah more like a tempteress or a tempter and it's like it's it's something that's unfolding where like the intuition is just there and it's so yeah so direct if you really yep. but it's more about actually i feel also i like to like explain it when i teach shamanism because like intuition is of course a part of that and you can call it like your shamanic sense that it's it's something you practice it's like a muscle mm -hmm. because we all know that feeling of doing something that goes hey or sideways and we're like okay i knew that like mm -hmm. why did i do it but the thing is we don't listen because that's how society is we are a rational logical society and if i'm calling my boss which is by the way me so that's a bad example <laughs> <laughs> but if i had like a regular boss and i would call him so like you know what, my intuition tell me I need to be home today. Yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't work. But if I did like a logical thing, like I'm starting to feel ill and whatever, like that's just like the currency of the world and intuition isn't like a valuable or valued courtesy or like not courtesy, um, currency. Currency, yeah. Yeah, in the world. But if we start to trust it, we'll, we'll feel it more and we'll be more safe with it. Mm -hmm. And... I would also, one of the things that I used when I started also like going more into the shamanism was like, also sometimes I would get things that would be like so weird, it didn't make any sense. And that was like a clear saying that, <laughs> like, because like you, you can't make those things up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, where did that come from? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's intuition as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think for this, because also like for me, I'm very interested. How would you describe also like to many listeners, what is nordic shamanism or how do you yeah there isn't of course not a simple explanation <laughs> well, how for do that. you practice it i think like i would rather explain it like shamanism is the oldest spirituality in the world yeah. and it has been practiced everywhere in the mm -hmm. world and for me it's kind of like they all had like the the same soup but then they took it back and they flavored it differently mm -hmm. 
So of course, like in the Beautiful. north, we are using Nordic herbs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of makes sense, right? Because like in South America, they use plant medicine. Mm -hmm. And like in Australia, they have like the roundabout and like the walks and like everything. And one of the things we did here in the north was, of course, like the runes. And mm -hmm. we did also psilocybin. I don't think that's like such a practiced shamanic thing in the north anymore a lot of people are inspired by the vikings for me that's two different things mm -hmm. they are not like in competition but shamanism is actually before like time-wise the viking age <laughs> so it's also about just connecting to earth and for me it's also about a lot about the seasons because like the weather here in the north and again like the cold mm -hmm. team cold <laughs> <laughs> It's really about like doing that and like we have like in, in the north we have like the Native American have their medicine wheel. We have like a wheel of the year and it's actually like a guideline for life, a manual. Wow. Yeah. And you can read into that and it's there is like a, every eight week there is actually like a, a new thing coming that tells you how to like or like suggest <laughs> how to live <laughs> invite you to how to live and mm -hmm. there is the moon there is like yeah the weather and different things to do how much light do we have how little how warm how cold it's mm -hmm. i want to say it's pretty simple but it's pretty simple when you know <laughs> yeah and thank you for this i think it's i love the analogy of like a soup but with different spices yeah and it's a reoccurring theme since yeah the human race has begun to think and write and be able to kind of like document the knowledge yeah it's actually fascinating really? so because i mentioned before like you know like the uphill battle women have had with proving because of knowing but knowing you and like the personal story like you knew from a very early age on that yeah. there's something you knew there's an, a path and something um that also like the how to say conservative education system was not able to give you answers to and to be honest i think this is like you can uh, tell the whole story in a minute but just would like to give you some you know <laughs> lays and roses here because like you have for me like walking a life of an unreasonable life is a life of courage mm -hmm. and you have actually found this courage and like you're able to kind of listen to your inner voice at very early age from very early age on When was the first time you found like, oh, there's a knowing in you? It's always difficult to like pinpoint it down to a specific age. But I know I, what I think you are thinking yeah. about <laughs> is that when I was 11, mm -hmm. I, I had two experiences that kind of changed my world. I come from a very non-spiritual family. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, just like regular family like mom dad two kids and um at at this point <laughs> I, i sense that i have had more siblings <laughs> but um yeah not like going into spirituality it wasn't something we talked about and i just felt this longing or you could also call it knowing <clears throat> sorry <laughs> and uh, i went to the library and actually starting to study which now seems a bit weird since i was 11 <laughs> <laughs> and I read like all kinds of spiritual like books about like reading hands, hours, <laughs> traveling through time, wow. previous <laughs> lives. Like, yeah, I just like, I ate it all, all it, up. Yeah. I yeah. loved it. 
And I remember like I I what was I don't know if that's a Danish thing, but I had the key. So like when I was off school, I just went home and like locked myself in and was had I had a couple of hours every day on my own. Mm-hmm. And one time I wanted to try to see because it sounded so magical if I could like literally leave my body and send my soul away. Yeah. And I could. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I remember and like there was like this string attached to my astral body that was like flowing up and I could like see like the house and okay. like my school and... And then I got a little scared because, like, shit, this is actually <laughs> happening. <laughs> and then, like, I got back in my body. Mm-hmm. And, of course, like, this really, like, triggered me. And there were lots of other things happening. Like, one day at school, I just knew I needed to get home. Mm-hmm. And normally I would, like, always, like, take along with my friends and we would talk on the way. I just, like, ran home and, like, shut all the lights out and were laying in my bed. And literally traveled back to World War One to a previous life. Wow. Okay. And the funny thing is, like that story, I never told that to anyone because, mm-hmm. yeah, again, my I was pretty sure my family wouldn't understand. Mm-hmm. And then when I was twenty six, I went to the Canary Island, and there was like this guy who was like selling jewelry. We all know them, right? And he asked me if he could come <laughs> to my apartment and take a shower because, like, we were always talking, and I was being like polite why not and he said like can I give you a reading in return and yeah sure and he said like yeah I'm doing like previous lives is that okay and I was like fine and then he completely described everything I experienced in that world war one going back wow okay and I was just like okay this is creepy because I told no one So I got back to Denmark and I went to a regression therapist that does previous life. And she told the exact same story. Wow. Yeah. And that was like, it's weird to say that's when I really got convinced. Because before it's like, what is fantasy and Mm -hmm. is magic real? And of course, like I'm not Harry Potter. Yeah. Or I am. And for you who don't believe, (laughs) mucklers. No, like I, what I'm more saying is, of of course, there is more between heaven and earth, and science is following up on that, by the way. But there is more, and yeah, that's just what I experienced, and I'm convinced. (laughs) Wow. And I think, you know, hearing all this, I think there must have been also like times where, like, of confusion. You know, what do you make out of this? Yeah, as you said, fantasy is like uh, my imagination. And um, how was the time for you? How did you always like, were, was, how was the stance between confusion and going back to trusting yourself? Yeah, that really was a struggle. Yeah. Also because like, mm, I really didn't have anyone to lean on up with the spirituality. Mm-hmm. And at some point I tried to also like find, of course I had friends that was also spiritual, but it was still that early in my life that I really wasn't sure. And also I've also always had a huge love of science. Yeah. <laughs> so so it was it I felt for many years that it was a choice either. Mm-hmm. So in my early 20s I actually started studying law. I went mm-hmm. to law school. Yeah. And I kind of put a lid on like all magical things. <laughs> um <laughs> And it really made me unhappy. Mm-hmm. I wasn't thriving at all. And I realized that actually, by the way, it was my a- ego that wanted me to like have that high education mm-hmm. and like of have course, that diploma. Yes. 
So after like three years of studying law, I actually decided that that wasn't for me. I could not see myself being in that system because also I felt I was losing myself, mm-hmm. literally. So I did I did another bachelor <laughs> because it's nice to have an education, <laughs> but I did it in like health. Yeah. And that brought me on a different path wow. also where I felt like it was more common ground where yeah. you can have like more holistic things into the health, not just science, but that you can actually combine the two. But it was a real struggle because it felt like two sides of me not being connected that I kept ha- having to choose. Yeah. And then after my whiplash and my, what do you say, um, sick leave, mm-hmm. um, I started educating myself as a yoga therapist and I worked in physiotherapist centers and with doctors. And that was nice because then I could like lean on the science Beautiful, yeah. Yeah, but then the, the fun part was then when I started teaching Nordic shamanism, that was actually a real challenge for me to stand up and say, yes, I believe in totem animals and dead people and previous <laughs> yeah, lives. Yeah. <laughs> Because like there isn't the same kind of science to that. Absolutely, yeah. So that was actually um, really difficult for me. But you did it. I did it. It's but, amazing. Uh, I mean, I was scared. <laughs> but like, I don't know, like for you... Like for someone who just listens to this and it's like knowing like how it might seem if you tell this to people and like yeah. it's for many people so far-fetched and like, okay, <laughs> yeah. but you believed in yourself because you knew. Yeah. I'm just like, it's amazing, Gita. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I so appreciate it. And I actually want to like just put another detail mm-hmm. or story onto that is I meet a lot of spiritual women and men as well, but mm-hmm. they've first start with the females, that have this fear, this mm-hmm. fear of actually standing in their own light. Yeah. And I felt that same fear, that fear of actually going out in public and sharing, like, this is me, this is what I believe, this is what I do. And I have had previous visits to pre, uh, many visits to previous lives <laughs> that was mixed up there. And what I actually discovered discovered was that I have been like a wise woman or what you would call it. Some could call it witch or mm-hmm. old hag or whatever, <laughs> medicine woman. Um, and every time I traveled back and saw those incarnations, I was being hanged, burned, murdered, drowned. <laughs> okay, <wow. laughs> like, I was yeah. really being punished for that. Yeah. And if you go back in history and see that Mm -hmm. that was a real thing. And here in Denmark, we have like this island. They were actually just made a movie about it until like the 70s. If you were promiscuous as a woman or seen to be crazy, you could be put there. And they were sterilizing women. Wow. And I think like Denmark is such a liberal country, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, I can't even, it's still like, like that in some countries so i also feel like i'm the first generation or this is my first incarnation where i can actually stand up of course i can be ridiculed and people can think i'm crazy but i'm not gonna be burned or hanged or skinned or raped (laughs) because of it so i knew that that fear also came from those previous lives and i'm pretty sure that a lot of women have this fear i also think that men have fears that comes from being in wars Mm -hmm. and that there is a connection to that and traumas that 
is in all of us is not just this life. Mm -hmm. There is also, by the way, science for that. Because as a female, for example, the eggs I'm producing is actually being produced when I am in my mother's womb. Wow. And hers. Hers in the previous. In yes. Previous, in so previous, yeah. how my grandmother felt when she was pregnant is influencing my DNA. Mm-hmm. And there were also actually different, um, I think it was World War II, actually, they did an exam that the men that were captured and set like in prison camps, their kids did worse in life than men, kids of men who didn't. And with that said, none of them had kids at the time. Wow. So there is actually becoming science behind this. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's an overseen Mm-hmm. issue mm-hmm. but uh, i think that's also why people are afraid sometimes to step into their spiritual light yeah and i think there's also like m- not always but often you know fear is actually a guide that yes that's the direction you should go it's like if there's fear face it <laughs> you will go straight at it <laughs> of course we're not talking about like fear okay there's like on the street there's like criminals <laughs> like <laughs> let's go there <laughs> it's more thing about the fear of expressing yourself and expressing your true nature. I think that's the fear, I would say. It's like a good signal, like, hey, listen into this. There's more than you think. Yeah, I, I so agree. There is actually like an old Buddhist saying, mm-hmm. it's a long story, I'll like do it super short, <laughs> that like this um, monastery that they had this demon called fear. Mm-hmm. And they did everything they could to try and defeat it. And they couldn't. Again, long, long story. <laughs> and then like one of the youngest monk went out there and he just sat at a river because that was where fear, the demon, would come. Mm-hmm. And he just looked that demon in the eye. And that's how they defeated it. Wow. Yeah. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. You know. Buddhism is begging you up, guys. <laughs> it's begging me up. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. No, but like just just a remark because like this is very similar how I felt before I kind of like started my podcast and like being being very open and like just having the confidence to talk about all these things I've been accumulating the last seven, seven and a half years. They've been just within me and I was afraid to kind of share these things. Mm, yeah. yeah. It's powerful. It really is. So you're also like a very, like, because like you were the first female Danish women of instructor and you're like a very inspiring woman for many here mm-hmm. and um, what did you what was uh, yeah how is Wim Hof for example let's go back because like this, this whole because there's like now we want to open up the door of a conscious woman and I think this is I think a good entrance like how is for example the, what is, is overlooked in, in the Wim Hof method just taught by men and why do you think it was a need that you actually have to kind of like, hey, we have to actually consider also like the female body here and the female aspect to all of that? Yeah, I, I really can't answer that question yeah. without being like so general. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Let's be general for the yeah, sake of yeah, it. Yeah, like, uh, so like, don't, uh, don't hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could say like what I experienced here in Denmark was that um, competition mentality. Mm that there really wasn't a deeper understanding or actually any understanding of that term, feeling is understanding. It was about performing. It was about being tough. It was about like, let's go. (laughs) And like, I'm hitting my chest and like, um, go, go, go. And like, don't be a pussy, push through. (laughs) 
And I think like that's like <laughs> such a misunderstanding, right? And I think like if you're not aware, and of course a lot of men is, mm -hmm. but if you're not, that's like such a typical thing that happens when male or men gather is that you do want to be the, the better man or the mm -hmm, stronger man, mm -hmm. the alpha, right? And I do understand also why people can get that out of the method because we also do have a lot of biohackers and they are measuring everything, believe me. <laughs> and if that is the thing, then you have this impulse perhaps of going bigger, deeper, yeah. whatever, always. And... I think it's not about that. It's it's much more what I already explained about actually having that reflection, having that feeling of going in. And I think like I, I know instructors that still fears the cold. I don't feel the cold, fear the cold at all. That doesn't mean that I don't respect it, mm -hmm. but I do. Mm -hmm. And for example, I hope this is okay sharing. We went to the Danish Ocean to did a cold mm -hmm. dip today. Of and that was beautiful. But I'm always like this. If I had had one foot in and didn't feel like going further, I would be completely okay with mm -hmm. just saying like, no, I'm not feeling it today. And I can do that wherever I'm in cold exposure. I have swimwear in my car. Sometimes I'm driving through Denmark and I see a spot and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go there. <laughs> but I always feel there is never any pressure. I don't have to be there 30 seconds two minutes, five minutes. I don't have to go all the way down to my neck. I'm feeling it. What do I want to do? Mm -hmm. And when you take that much pressure off of yourself, it's a completely different thing. And when you have that understanding, that's I don't know if that's feminine, but that's mine. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you radiate that, then you show people something else because I think the best way to teach is also being an example. Mm -hmm. And if you sometimes I use the word, I allow you, because we have this inner judge, inner voice again, mm -hmm. that's like always wanted us to like prove ourselves, to, to earn something and to just let people know like you are already worthy, you are mm -hmm. already enough. And I'm always telling people, if you like two centimeters before the eyes decide not to, perfectly fine. Don't push yourself. Mm -hmm. You can expand your boundaries, but don't break through them. Beautiful. Yeah. And then, um, it's so funny because what you said at the beginning, because like so many times I randomly also met people then like, yeah, they went to a Wim Hof retreat and it's like, yeah, I did seven minutes. And you know, like exactly what you just said, I have to giggle at this, like... Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So, what would you say? I think now we going straight to the very interesting topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, a few weeks ago, I did an episode about like the con conscious masculinity, and I think you listened to the episode. Yeah. I would like to know from you. So, if, okay, like maybe the first. So what is, in your opinion, a conscious man? Conscious. How would you say it? Perceive it. Yeah, it's it's one of those like again little dangerous mm -hmm. questions. Of right? course, of course. <laughs> but I think it's a man that actually feels his nature and not what culture mm -hmm. put on him. It's that we all have these both masculine and feminine energies inside of us. I believe in general that we are put in the body which energy we need to host the most. Mm -hmm. 
So it's about feeling actually for every man. What is how do I, I outlive my masculinity? Mm-hmm. I think like I also practice tantra, and one of my favorite like explaining go to is like the female is like the ocean, and the male is like the coast. Mm. So you kind of need to obtain us and hold ground for us mm-hmm. and we can rage and we can give life and we can be but you need to be that strong pillar for us so for me that's a conscious man thank you i mean as i said there's no right or wrong answer it's just like i would love to hear i was <laughs> yeah. very curious to hear yours but then like maybe like there's much more inside experience of course what in your opinion is then the a conscious woman it's kind of the same yeah. right it's I think there is so many things to being a woman and I don't know if it's more complicated. <laughs> I, in, in, in my head, it kind of is, but yeah. I also I don't, I'm not a man, so I can't like speak on your behalf, but I can, I feel, speak mm-hmm. on how I experience mm-hmm. being a woman. And we are from a very early age put into a box on how female looks like. Like we need to smile. We need mm-hmm. to be sweet and polite. We need to help other people. And it's not very feminine to shout. It's not very feminine to tell other people what to do. There is like so many things that we don't consider or consider being feminine. Like we also need to take care of other people. And for a lot of women, that's natural, but not all. We mm-hmm. need to be mothers. We need to take care of our home. We need to all of these things. And for me, it was such a long And also difficult journey as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had like different paths of journeys, right? <laughs> <laughs> difficult journeys. And um, a lot of women are really afraid of anger because they are told to be like these sweet girls and to be pleasers. Mm-hmm. I never had that. <laughs> um, it was a tough learning to yeah. learn that you can't also not just like, you can be too direct. You can mm-hmm. be like unpolite direct. And there are different ways of expressing yourself. And with my anger, I actually felt very masculine. But I also felt it was kind of like um, a soft kind of trauma mm-hmm. uh, defense that, you know, like it's better to attack than just wait. That's like the biggest defense okay. is yeah. attack. Yeah. So I was being like very soft aggressive. <laughs> soft aggressive. <laughs> Um, and, and I felt trapped because like, yeah, people were being like, you're so bussy all the time mm-hmm. and you always wanted your way. And I true, truly didn't understand it because like, I felt like, no, I'm so sweet here. I feel I'm too sweet. Too sweet. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. I had a lot of conflict there yeah. in like, finding my femininity. And again, you can use the element of water to really like, grasp it i think because we get, we are life givers as females like water we can't be that mm-hmm. drop of water after an endless walk in the desert i really believe that we can bring life into things also that was that before mm-hmm. we can make things grow we can nurture it we can do all of these beautiful things we do need water it's so deep but we are also tsunamis Mm-hmm. Don't don't like <laughs> don't misunderstand that. And if you're thinking like oh, I don't think so, like have you ever seen a, a woman giving birth? 
tsunamis, I'm telling you. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> There is so much power mm -hmm. in us as well. And a lot of women are afraid of that. Oh, wow, okay. Because we are taught we need yeah. to be gentle and soft. And we are so vulnerable, but we can't be too vulnerable because men don't mm -hmm. like our tears. I'm just being prejudiced mm -hmm. right of now, course. of course, right? And everything is contradictory. You, <clears throat> you're too thin, you're too thick, you're too ugly, you're too pretty, you're mm. too smart, you're too dumb. You really can't make it right as a woman mm -hmm. in today's society. So I think for me, a conscious woman, if I'm going to go into a more direct answer, is again the balance. Mm -hmm. To say like, I'm not a tsunami, I'm also not a drop of water, I am the ocean. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And because like you also work with a lot of women to help them kind of like realize this power of the ocean and live it up to. What are the most common struggles you find? You mentioned a few. Are there any other kind of like you have identified when women come to you and you work with them? Yeah, I think it, it's actually that we sacrifice ourselves. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of women that comes to me in like their late 50s And this is for many women, at least here in like Scandinavia, I think, the age where like your kids are leaving home. Mm -hmm. And suddenly they realize, okay, like I'm actually reaching like the end or like the fall of life. And I have no idea what I want. I have no idea who I am. And all the dreams I had like in my teenage year or start 20s, they disappeared with the family because I dedicated mm -hmm. myself to the family. And of course, like having this feeling and saying this thing doesn't mean that we don't love our families, but it kind of, of means that we're sitting there and there isn't anything. And a lot of women have actually a spiritual, spirit, spiritual awakening at this point because that's the first time they actually have time for themselves. Yeah. And also a lot of people get divorced. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think for one, that's one. Mm -hmm. The other thing is also that we are not really good at standing together as females. And it's actually called like horizontal racism. But oh, it, really? it, yeah, okay. it's kind of like all minorities. And in a way, we're not a minority. We are half of the world, but yeah. we are still not equal. And it's actually like a system where we hold each other down. Wow. Okay. And it's also seen like with um, Afro-Americans or different like it can be race it can be sexes it can be different whatever okay <laughs> and so there are different sayings that, and there is one in danish i don't know if it's also in english it's like women is women worse that okay. we like yeah put each other down and we whisper about each other and mm -hmm. we gossip and like all the negative things you think about women that we're really not really good for each other with each other and We are like hating on each other okay. and like it's very competitive and we are judging each other a lot. And because we live in a world where men unconsciously for most parts are seen as superior to women, mm -hmm. other women find also other women less superior. So we are not lifting wow. each other, we are not supporting each other. And when I do women's retreat or have talks with people and... I help them to build that sisterhood or womanhood or whatever you would call it. It's so amazing to see. And people are really surprised because they don't have it to that level, even though they probably do have good friends or like 
girlfriends, right? Mm-hmm. Or female friends. <laughs> um, so we are actually really not good at that. And one of the ancients practice all over the world is actually women gathering and supporting each other. Mm-hmm. So um, from a male point of view that wants to suppress women, well done. <laughs> 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 also, I, I feel a lot of women is actually struggling again with the same thing that I did, that I was afraid to embrace the wilder side, the untamed, the untamed side. side. Yeah. yeah, okay. For sure. So then where... Where would you like to see the conversation leading to at the moment, like the both sides? So if you want to call them sides, I mean, yeah, men yeah. and women, kind of, where, where do you want to see the conversation going to that we... I think, first of all, to let go of all aggression. Yeah. I feel, and I went through that state myself, so I'm not pointing fingers and, mm-hmm. at anyone. But I think like when a lot of females start to become more conscious about actually the suppression that is going on, is to not hate on men because that won't bring us anywhere. It's so easy to stand on two mountaintops and shout at each other and like, oh yeah, that's not how we're going to heal. And I think also it's very important to really be aware that we're talking about like equalness. That's not being the same. Like there should be polarity. I Mm -hmm. think that's like super, Mm -hmm. super important. But the thing is we need to appreciate female nature as much as we do male and that actually goes back to like we live in a world that's logic and reason and that's Mm -hmm. more male thing instead of intuition Mm -hmm. right but i feel like it's um that's what i'm trying to do is first of all to heal women with women Mm -hmm. and i hope someone is out there doing men on men (laughs) and then like let's get some of those heal people women and male together Mm -hmm. and try to like show other people as well so i think there is like such a big thing to gather in healing within your own sex Mm -hmm. and also healing the connection between mothers and daughters yeah wow i mean like um what what do you think is like this connection healing between mother and daughters is such a reoccurring theme yeah, I think it's, it's first of all, again, a thousand different yeah. reasons, right? And again, I can't say if it's just the same with fathers and sons. I don't know. But I think like if in all times, if a master would take an apprentice, what would actually happen is at some point the apprentice would leave, go out to the world and seek things, then come back and kill the master and take his place. Mm-hmm. And in some weird way, I think it's some of the same, <laughs> like un. Not happening in real life, of course, but like for a lot of people, there symbolically, is sorry? maybe symbolically, maybe, yes, you know? yep, exactly. There is like, um, because we always as women need to be young and pretty and mm-hmm. skinny and whatever, it's, it's difficult to see your own daughter growing up and beating you, mm-hmm. <laughs> being perhaps more pretty, more young, more attractive, whatever, and. For many women, I think that's actually difficult. Mm-hmm. Also, I think that um, our generation's parents and their parents, that was never about love and they were even more suppressed than us. Mm-hmm. And women at that point was something you would trade. <laughs> yes, absolutely crazy. So, so in that way, it's like as a woman you are also being an, a victim of the horizontal racism from your own mother. Mm-hmm. 
And that should be the place where you feel the most secure. So there is like this big mother womb. And I think it's difficult not to pass that wound, to be honest, because we have this weird idea that we are the same, but then we are not, and then we are competing. And like then you should be on my side because you are female too and you are not. And there is so much confusion actually that we have no idea how to react and how to embrace it. And also like... I don't know if this is genetic or cultural, but like if you see teenagers, like girls have the reputation of being so much more difficult. Mm -hmm. And perhaps it's actually because they are more emotional, connected with their moms. Because as females, we are taught feelings from we are two and playing with dolls. Mm -hmm. We are literally playing family, right? So there is a bigger separation and that separation hurts. Like, Wow, yeah. I I would say Mm -hmm. I have a grown-up daughter and one who's just becoming a teenager. (laughs) Lucky me. (laughs) And um, I remember like that separation from my oldest daughter. I would rather give birth three times than go through that. Oh, really? Yeah, for sure. Of course, not all (laughs) teenagers' daughters are like that. But I felt that that separation was really painful. Mm -hmm. And also, like, there is also a lot of mothers that are still holding on to their sons, Mm -hmm. even when they got married and everything. So there is also this conflict between mothers and daughters in general that needs to, to work. And then we have that feeling because it gets so personal when your own daughter attacks you. and like go after you and like teenagers in that way they're savage because they know where to head Mm -hmm. (laughs) very well yeah (laughs) and if you're not that aware Mm -hmm. that feels like a personal attack from the one person that you let in the most wow so um it becomes a ugly battle um yeah, I'm a bit blown away with it because I really like it. It made so much click in my mind right now. So I get just understanding. Yeah, it's like there's such a, just like understand there's such a deep emotional connection up until teenage years, and then suddenly to realize to experience this harsh, passive, sometimes direct aggressiveness from your own daughter. Yeah, uh, that's rough because like yeah, if I think about like with men or like with son and father, it's not that emotionally deep until you know like maybe later on in life. Yeah, yeah, you kind of become more friends or like father father son kind of relationship but yeah it's so different yeah yeah i really think it is and i think like also again like i think it's interesting you say more like friends because Mm -hmm. like one of the things i learned later in life as a parent is like i'm not supposed to be friends with my daughters Mm -hmm. i'm supposed to be their mom and that's a a never-ending, I wouldn't call it task because it sounds negative, but that's a never-ending privilege. Privilege, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, right? And, and of course, I always prioritized that I also need to make me happy. I'm not just a mother, I'm also a woman. I'm just also, a human being. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm everything, but I think that's what also referring to what I said earlier of like just being that victim of your own family. Of course, it's not your family who's demanding it, Society is, by the mm-hmm. way, but it's also something that you are doing to yourself. Yeah. And that's also a struggle. And I, I never felt like doing that because I also always prioritize other parts of me. Um, so I think that's important. But being a mother is 
often something that you have more expectations to than being a dad. Mm -hmm. And mm, there there are different relationships also, as you said yourself, within the sexes. But it's more, I think, common than father and son are friends than mother and daughter. Mm. Then I've actually... How is it? How, because I read the book, I think you know it, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> King, ma- King, Magician, Lover, and Warrior. It's about like the four the archetypes of yeah. mature masculinity. And um, I was very like interested about like this, like this in ancient tribes, this initiation from boyhood to mature manhood, where again, the boys, there's a symbolic death, so to say. And have you read about something similar in you know for women from like an initiation from girl to woman from much you know girl to mature woman it's or called menstruation it's called menstruation <laughs> but it's like i mean this the no that's it that's it there's no all right this is it that's it and and it's not just it but the funny thing is as as my understanding is also from a shamanic point of view mm-hmm is that the menstruation is the way that the females connect to earth. Mm-hmm. It is when you are bleeding that you are the most connected to spirit. And when you see these, like from Native Americans, that they have the moon tent or the red tents, first it was thought that it was because they were not pure. Mm-hmm. But what they actually learned later was that they shouldn't do everyday chores because they were so connected, they should just connect to spirit. So that was seen as an extremely holy thing. Mm-hmm. And that was the right. And it was the right that they had every month. And when a woman went into menopause, she was so wise that she didn't need to connect to earth anymore. So that is actually also why when male have the rights, it's often associated with blood and pain because they wanted to mirror it to the females. Wow. And I guess what the big difference is in nowadays, you know, when, yeah, women experience the first pleading that there's no no one there that actually and like gives you like this understanding of what this actually means it's just like this yeah now you yeah yeah menstruation or menstruating yeah. is taboo yeah it completely is and it's associated with shame mm-hmm. and something that you need to hide away mm-hmm. and i know even females but especially men if you bring up that subject they are like grossed out Mm-hmm. and like refuses to talk about it and i'm always having this joke that if anyone thinks that menstruating is not taboo okay great next time you go to a dinner i want you in the middle of dinner to say like oh who else is bleeding <laughs> i was like oh no i forgot my <laughs> anyone <Yeah. laughs> oh i'm bleeding right now <laughs> yes so i guess it, what i was uh, getting to it's like yeah there were back in the days somewhere somewhere not always at least there was a proper framing and storytelling of what it really means. And in some tribes, women didn't have to feel ashamed about it. No, and the opposite. The opposite, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was like something, wow. It was like, the right from girlhood to womanhood. Yeah, and also like, now you are a creator of life, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. crazy. You, like, you, congratulations. Congratulations. I want to like, just like, do you have some cool music? I can ah, have yes. like a drum beat or something. Oh. Um, Whatever. <laughs> Let's see. Let's let's see. Let's see. There was some. I'm just. I know they are. I'm just trying to find them. No. Is this trumpet? No. No, that's like sad. No. <laughs> this. Yes, we can okay. do that. Okay, okay, give it to me. Congratulations! You are now joining the club of creators of life. <laughs> <laughs>
Yay! <laughs> That's how we should actually celebrate exactly. every time a yes. female or a yes. girl goes from girl to womanhood. To woman, starting, womanhood, yeah. Start by bleeding. Because like literally like life creator. That's yeah. insane by itself. <laughs> it is, <laughs> right? Like, 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 hey. <laughs> like, it, to be honest, it is actually... You know, imagine there's like somewhere an alien race out there mm-hmm. and they're really different to us. They would read a science fiction book about the species that lives on this beautiful planet and there's one, there's two sexes and one sex can create life. Yeah. I mean... And the other one can hunt. The other one can <laughs> hunt. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> can hold space They can us. hold space, but like that's the level of appreciation we should have for this because, you know... I can only say I agree. Yeah. With that said again, like, because I don't want anyone to have that feeling that I'm an angry feminist. No, she's not. No, she's not. <laughs> no, it's like we need each other exactly. and we need different things and we need to hold space for each other. And again, I want to like give that coast and ocean, right? Yes. So we do need each other. And of course, like we can't create life without you. <laughs> yes. But we grow it. We grow, we grow it. it. We grow it. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Gita, it's already past an hour. Yes. I have a question oh, for you. Yes. Wait, there's always a... Where was it? No. Dum, bum, bum. Question time. Yes. So, Gerhard, I want to know, what is a real woman for you? Oh, wow. <laughs> What's a real woman for me? Um, like, to need to exist in real. <laughs> um. No, because there mm-hmm. is, I'm just going to explain the concept. Yes. Because like, I think it's it's often asked or said like, oh, that's a real man. Like, he's a real mm. man. I never ever heard the expression like, she's a real woman. So what is a real woman actually? Yeah. Hmm. I think, you know, like, let's maybe cross out the word real. <laughs> <laughs> What's a woman for me? <laughs> I think it's um, someone who is so attuned with their feminine nature but also part also like part of its masculinity in them but understanding that when i'm with this person with this woman that um i can embrace my masculinity and she can completely embrace her femininity and through that we create a beautiful cr- polarity that is you know like not just life creating but it's creative it's inspiring and for me you know like i don't think about looks in that point i'm just like how do i feel can i feel can i embrace conscious healthy masculinity around her can i trust her can she trust me can i can hold space for her and can she live her you know be the ocean yeah, yeah that's for me i would say that how she looks like you know, that doesn't matter at that point. <laughs> yeah, I, t- I totally agree on that. Yeah. And I think like when people have that inner knowledge, because we all know those people where we mm-hmm. first see them, perhaps we are thinking like in the back of our head, like, oh, that's not very attractive. Or who mm-hmm. wasn't that lucky? And then we get to know them and we just see that inner beauty, yes, and that inner absolutely. light and that completely change our point absolutely. of view, right? So looks doesn't matter. No, and I think, yeah, there's like this... First of all, thank you. Beautiful question, Gide. <laughs> Amazing question. I think I think once you know, it's like hard to put it, like you, I can describe it in nine words, but I think once you know and you feel it, what it feels, polarity, 
healthy polarity. Like they, I think there's no toxic polarity. Polarity is healthy in itself. Once you can feel it with someone, then you know it. And yeah. I think, I'm not sure if many people have felt this beautiful polarity. No, I agree because like we are not living in a society exactly, that, that invites, this. Yeah. Yeah, invites that to happen yeah. because we need to be like our own little system yes. where we need to do be able to do it all. Yes. So it is a challenge to let go of that and to really open up and to find that flow. And as a female, allow the man to be that coast that mm -hmm. you lean on, but also for the man to know that the real power is in the ocean. Absolutely. But It needs me. <laughs> and embrace this power. That's yeah. the part. Yeah. Gide, I have one final question for mm, you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, at this point, I think I need to again, because sometimes we're not really aware of actually um, how life has shaped us. And I think, uh, you know, when I look at your life, it's like a life of full of courage. Especially, think about when you were 11, 12, I mean, that's like, Years ago. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Ten years ago. Ten years ago. Ten years ago. <laughs> But I'm saying it's like it was even harder back then to embrace those things. And like there was no one there to, you you know, you can share these things. So you have my deepest appreciation that you had this courage to live through all that and follow your knowing. So my question to you is, what is something you dream of achieving, but for some reason... You haven't voiced to anyone yet. Ooh. Hmm. That's actually really difficult because mm -hmm. I feel like if you would have asked me 10 years ago, mm -hmm. like write that letter to yourself, what you want to achieve mm -hmm. in 10 years, where I am now, I couldn't even dream of that. Wow. So I actually think it's a limited question. Okay. I don't even want to answer it because no matter what I answer, I'm pretty sure that I will go farther. Perfect. That's that's exactly good because sometimes it's also about just, yeah, there's a difference between dreaming and knowing. And the knowing part is that knowing to surrender leads you to paths unimaginable. For sure. In shamanism, we call it that we are the hollow bone. Yeah. So everything is coming through us, not from us. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And it is like my true north because mm -hmm. it also keeps me humble yeah. that like this is not about me. I'm just lucky enough to like that it wants to pass through me. Amazing. Yeah. I love that answer. <laughs> Thank you, Gita. Very inspiring. So, because it's a video, let's mm -hmm. turn. Wave. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's stop the video here. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you so much, Gita. It has been an amazing episode. Oh, thank you. I so enjoyed it. Thank you so much. <laughs>